This is Ingredient Insiders, and I'm John Magazzino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we'll be talking with chefs and authors about their favorite ingredients. We'll also be speaking to the producers of those ingredients to talk about how they're made, the history of the companies, and why chefs love using them in their kitchens. This is an interesting episode, Andrew, because I know... We're talking about something that I am crazy about and you're not so crazy about. Right. It's it's kind of a weird episode because I usually am I'm so excited to talk about the ingredient. It's not that I'm not. It's just not my favorite. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't particularly care for this ingredient. And then I guess, you know, I don't know what percentage is, but it's not necessarily the most popular ingredient or food. But people who love it. Love it. What is it, John? Well, that's funny. I feel like this like we're leading this secret yeah. episode where you, we're not revealing the ingredient. Do you and think so, everyone's like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Well, this 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 ingredient's very popular in Greece, mm-hmm. very popular in the UK, particularly like Ireland. Yeah. They make a lot of it in New Zealand. Australia. Colorado. And that ingredient is Lamb. 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 So yeah, we're talking about lamb today and I do love lamb. And in case you haven't guessed it, Andrea does not love lamb. Not so much. But no. it's okay. We, I will say, you know, I've, I've tried all the different kinds that we sell at chefs and the Colorado lamb from Mosner. Yep. The Mosner family. That would be the lamb that I would purchase. If you were on death row right. and they were like, Andrea, it's lamb. You can't, Yeah, you can't <laughs> choose your final meal. But it is going to be lamb. You would ask for Mosner Colorado lamb? Correct. I think of it as a festive holiday type preparation. Yeah. Easter Sunday leg of lamb. There's a flavor to it that I do love. I don't like a gamey flavor associated with it. And I think when you have a gamey flavor with lamb, I think maybe it's been overcooked Mm -hmm. or it's not a quality of lamb that it should be. So John, when you're talking about, you know, gaminess in comparison to beef or pork, you know, what do you mean? Well, I mean, lamb has its own distinct flavor. Mm -hmm. I think maybe part of the reason that I do like it is it doesn't have the same fat content of beef. So it's leaner. I believe it is a whole lot leaner than beef. Mm -hmm. The eating experience is more about the lamb flavor itself and not the fattiness, the mouthfeel. I do love the fact that there's also all these different cuts of lamb that are prepared in different ways. So it is very unique and versatile in that, you know, you can have a braised lamb shank. You could have a, you know, long and slow roasted leg of lamb. You can have quick cooking lamb chops, you know, rack of lamb. You could have lamb Um, in your front yard on a spit. You could have lamb. You could have whole lamb on a spit. Yeah. Big fat Greek wedding. Get all, exactly. You could get all those uh, things. First lamb memory, John. I don't know that I have one. I can have a, I'll tell you, I had a recent lamb memory. I went to Greece this past summer. Oh, you were telling me about this. I almost everywhere I go, if I'm in Greece, if there's lamb on the menu, I'm ordering it. And one of the great experiences, we went to a restaurant. I got a recommendation from a chef in LA who said, if you're going to be in Athens, you got to go to this restaurant. And it's called, I'll remember the name in a sec. It's called Tosteki to Ilia. Send us a note on Add Ingredient Insiders and I'll give you the spelling of that if you're going to Athens. But this place is just in the center of Athens. 
and they specialize in doing these super thin cut, and I'm saying like quarter inch to half inch thick lamb chops that are cooked over wood coals and you order it by the kilo. So you get, you know, it's so like at least one kilo of lamb. It's like $25 for a kilo. And um, a kilo is 2.2 pounds. Yeah. So you get this pile. There was four of us at the table. We didn't even finish the kilo, but you get this pile of lamb, a mountain of lamb that's just come off the grill. And, you know, it's so thin, you just eat it with your fingers. Fantastically delicious, smoky, fatty meat and to me, that's the ultimate dining in, in Greece right now. So that's not my first memory, but that's my most recent memory. So on this episode, we're going to be talking with the chef from Miami, Danny Ganim. He works at Fiola Restaurant. Beautiful restaurant in Miami. Oh, Gorgeous. Stunning. Stunning, Andrea. Gorgeous. It's the, the executive chef is Fabio Trabocchi, mm-hmm. uh, one of the finest on the planet. And... Yeah, it, uh, what an opportunity to spend time in that kitchen and that restaurant in Coconut Grove in Miami. Wow. wow. Everybody has like their, their lamb recipe or their lamb dish. It's also very territorial. We'll also be speaking with Jessica Mosner. And Ben Mosner, the lamb and veal kings of uh, New York America. City. Yeah, well, um, of the United States is at this point. So the lamb are raised on pasture in the last 100 days, which is where we really feel is like that sweet spot. They're brought in and finished on grain. Long history, a family business. So this will be a lot of fun for me and not as much for you. Can't wait. Talking lamb. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. We couldn't be happier to be in this most beautiful restaurant. This is Fiola Coral Gables. We're with Chef Danny Ganim, the executive chef of Fiola. Thanks for joining us today. We're so excited. No, I think it's an honor. It's this a real such honor. a beautiful, beautiful restaurant. We are surrounded by thousands of bottles of wine in this you know, beautiful space. Talking lamb. I'm going to go out on a limb and maybe say it's my favorite protein. I've had lamb from... New Zealand, I've had lamb from Australia, I've had lamb from Virginia, lamb from Colorado, not to mention lamb in other countries of the world. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's the flavor. And when lamb is good, to me, it's it's the best. Andrea's cringing over there because <laughs> she's not a lamb fan. But Danny, talk to me about lamb. How do you use it? There's so many. I, I, what I, I also like about it is like the different cuts. Yeah. It's also very territorial like every everybody has like their their lamb recipe or their lamb dish you know like if you go into spain it's about simplicity if you go into italy of course you can have stuff uh, pastas lamb sugo lamb with braised lamb with their own brasato of course roasted lamb legs you go into the middle east and then of course you have your your roasted lambs your, your lamb racks and then uh, the one that people you know don't don't see it as much it's like the the lamb the kibenae mm-hmm. which is a lamb that's you know like Mince, very fine, mm-hmm. kind of like a lamb tartare. Yep. Spectacular. Fantastic. Delicious, delicious, delicious. As so, you're starting to talk about it, I'm just now thinking about every country, certainly Europe, certainly America and the Americas and, and Mexico and South America mm-hmm. have this great history of lamb in their cuisine. I do not like lamb. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I did grow up like my family cooked it. 
um, you know, it was on the table. I just chose, you know, not to eat it. Is it because they're cute? Is it a flavor? No, is it an aroma? It's the gaminess, I think. And, you know, yeah. on the on the feta episode, I announced that I don't like goat and sheep smokes cheeses. And I think it kind of goes with that. The smell, the, the flavor profile for me is just very strong. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just not my favorite. That being said, there's all different types. So you have, you know, New Zealand and Australian you know, the lamb is more grass fed. So you're, you are going to get that more gamey flavor right. versus the Colorado, which is more grain fed. So you are going to get more buttery and richness. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like if I was held at gunpoint and I had to choose, I would go with the Colorado just because I think I'd probably like it better. But do you foresee that happening? I, I, I don't foresee that happening. Force feeding you lamb at some point? No. And I, I hope it never <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe, because there are certain types of lamb that do have more gaminess to yeah. them and certain cuts that are more gamey. Are you sure you've met the right lamb? Listen, we sell, and I mean, Danny knows because he obviously, you know, he buys his lamb from Chef's Warehouse. Yes. But you're buying the Australian lamb, right? Yes. Mosner. Mosner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we obviously we have a great... We love the Mosner family. Yeah. Yeah, you have the Mosner, which is, a, you know, a little bit on the leaner side. But then if you go into Colorado and then Pennsylvania, Virginia, the amount of fat also is just uh, it's crazy. And some mm -hmm. people are like, oh, you know, this is too fatty. But it's kind of like saying Kobe is too fatty and it's not good. That's the, the beauty of different lambs and different flavors. And some of them, like you said, you know, some of them are going to be more on the gamier side. And then some of them are going to be like toned down, but more mm -hmm. succulent because of the whole... Uh, juiciness and fattiness that's mm -hmm. already in there. Let's talk about the specific cuts of lamb. Sure. During COVID, I started buying a lot of lamb for my house. Okay. Usually when you go to the supermarket, I think depending on where you shop, it's. I feel like it's a pretty limited selection of like what you see. There's always the lamb racks, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which are beautiful, but they're expensive. Yep. And then there's shanks sometimes. Mm -hmm. Usually, depending on the time of year, a leg of lamb. For Easter, very mm -hmm. popular. You know, and then maybe ground lamb too, which we should talk about too, because I love ragouts with ground lamb. Or like mm -hmm. a lamb burger. Like, like a lamb bolognese yeah. and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what I found during COVID was maybe because restaurants weren't buying as much, I was finding these off cuts, like these shoulder chops. Mm -hmm. It took my lamb love to another level because I would just throw these under the broiler and make a very simple like garlic, oregano, lemon juice, olive oil kind of sauce that I would just pour over it at mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. T let's talk about the different cuts, though, because it is so versatile. Mm -hmm. Are you doing a lot of braising with lamb? Is a lot of grilling? So we've done what do a people little... want in a restaurant when it comes to lamb? Of course, people are going to go more into the lamb rags, you know, lamb chops, the go-to they feel more comfortable with. And that's what you serve here, right? Yes, that's what we serve here. But also I've done a couple lamb shanks also at one, at one point, lamb saddle. Then lamb saddle, you know, I treat it sometimes like a porqueta. You can sous vide it. Then after, you know, you just yeah. roast it in the wood oven and it just comes out spectacular. So what would you do with that? You would, as opposed to a porqueta, would you use the same spices or would you use different spices with that? I think you can do the same thing. Lots of herbs and of course lots of garlic and sometimes, you know, anchovies, we chop it up in there, capers, soaking all the, those flavors and then just uh, sous vide it after that. Then of course any leftovers from the braised, we add it into a ragu, also for stuffing, for, for agnolotis or some tortellinis, anolinis, or things like that. Have you ever used, um, you know, the Denver ribs? The lamb ribs? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Those are very good, too. More in the casual, mm -hmm. fine dining, you can say, sometimes. Yeah. So we used to use uh, for, for specials. 
Easter slow cooking and like a pomegranate barbecue sauce type of thing. With the tapenade of the lamb also, we slice it nice and thin. And then it was like lamb kibanaya, a little bit of pine nuts, mint, lots of olive oil. Yeah. I kind of think of like those flavors, like lamb, I associate it with like a lot of fresh herbs, oregano, parsley, mint, even going back old school to like in the 50s. I mean, it was lamb and mint jelly, right? Sure. <laughs> so, Classic. We actually like we sell like, I mean, it's not like a, a big item, but we sell mint jelly at Chef's Warehouse. Like yes, it's yes, available yes. and people buy it. And definitely I would say like, like a country club item. I never understood that no. as a condiment for lamb. Well, no. what, what is it is, is back in the days... It was to hide the flavor of lamb. The gaminess. Yeah. Maybe that's what you need to do, Andrew. Yeah, maybe I just need... You need to eat more (laughs) mint jelly. You can say funkiness. Mm -hmm. And now I think we celebrate that flavor. You know, John is saying, like, proteins were so scarce during COVID. Yeah. So the availability was a lot like more pronounced and you kind of fell in love with it again. And I never fell out of love with it. I just think I saw all these different... You reignited the flame. Yes. I mean, I love spit roasted lamb. Like to me, if you gave me the choice between beef or a pig. Really? You pick lamb? I would choose lamb over those meats any day. What about you, Danny? What would you pick? Lamb. I really like lamb too. But I like more in the the braised. Okay. I like that. The the lamb racks, you know, is lamb racks. You know, for me, it's like like, uh, filet mignon, you know, it's like, but if it's braised and you can do something with it. Even lamb necks. Lamb necks are spectacular. Like when you clean them out good and then it's just, uh, that that dish is just spectacular. Couldn't agree more. Like rolled and braised? Yes, 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 yes. But you take it off the bone and it's yes. just a very braiseable. I don't want to say it's a tender meat, but it gets very tender. Yes. And I used it a lot before, like even with dube beret in there and also put some uh, some turmeric, lots of garlic, brace it. And then after that, put it on top of the inside of pita, some hummus, a labna yogurt. Yum. And lots of herbs in there, some tomatoes and just ready to eat. Almost like a shawarma yeah, yeah. type. Yeah. As we have this discussion, I just keep coming back to the fact that lamb is so universal. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, what do they have? Barbacoa? Is that lamb? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. In Greece, the spit roasted lamb. I mean, that is like the food of celebration and, you know, or even eaten on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Italy, Easter, leg of lamb, and just, I think of, again, so many great braised dishes. And then France has a great tradition, too, with with lamb and something called pré-salé, which is like lamb that grows near salt marshes and eats the grasses, mm-hmm. and the meat actually is seasoned by the, the what wow. it eats. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool. really cool. Yeah. There's a great tradition of lamb around the world. Yeah, definitely multicultural. And then they say in New Zealand... There are more lambs than people. Did you know that? (laughs) Again, another item that consumers might find in the supermarket. I don't see it too often on restaurant menus is ground lamb. Lots of lamb burgers around. Yeah. Lamb burgers are having a moment. Yeah. Lamb burgers and also... uh, Lamb meatballs. uh, Like lamb... uh, Yeah. Lamb meatballs. Lamb kafta. Of course, they're they're, they're mixed with a little bit of bulgur. Put on a skewer. Put on a skewer. Mm -hmm. Open fire. It's very, very good. I love that. I associate it mainly, and I know, Danny, you said you like it braised, but Mm -hmm. like for me, it's like grilling it. And I don't know if it is because I've watched my big fat Greek wedding so many times and like, (laughs) you know, they're on the front lawn, like, you know, with the spit or whatever. But I think lamb really does owe itself really well to like open fire, open flame cooking. When you have a whole lamb, like in uh, South America, Mm -hmm. you open it whole and you just let it cook slowly over the embers of of the fire. It's just another one. Yeah. 
Very, very nice and tasty. Dessert. I think of Francis Melman when you just said that, where yeah. they they have the they take the lamb and spread eagle yes. with mm-hmm. the arms and the legs splayed out, and then it's kind of tilted over a fire. I always wanted to do that. I've never done it, but and it you cooks for it. hours and hours and just a kind of a slow cooking over an open flame. I love the texture too. Things like the way the meat falls off of a shank. Mm-hmm. It's firm, but it's tender. Kind of the way that the muscle structure of the meat is. It's really mm-hmm. special. It's different than beef? Absolutely. Like more tender? It depends. I think it is more tender, but mm-hmm. I also think it holds into these like pieces. I don't know how to say it. It almost comes off the, well, when it comes off the bone, chunky. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't eat a lot of beef shanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it would come off the same way. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, I like I love asabuco, like veal asabuco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So comparing it to that. Yes. Some people, have, I've tried them before and everything, uh, the lamb offals. The, sweet breads. The sweet breads. Lamb sweet breads are spectacular. Yeah. What's an offal, Danny? So uh, offals are the innards of the animal. You get them for, of course, beef, ripe tongue, brains and everything. Is Heart, the, kidney, everything. things like that. Obviously, you know, you're, you go out to a restaurant, you order lamb. What if someone wants to make it at home? What should the home consumer be looking for when they're purchasing lamb? What they really want to see in their dish. If they want to see something that's grilled, they need to make sure that they have the right cut. If they want something cooked all the way through and then it's like soft and, and tender, then they got to look into something that's braised. If they want something that's whole for the entire family, like a leg of lamb, you know, you got to make sure that it's cooked slowly and, and for a long time. I think that's know? great advice. I, yeah. think, I think a lot of the lamb products that you see in the supermarket are, with the exception of the chops, are long cooking times. Yes. Slow and low kind of temperature things. Yep. You have to match what you're making to the cut that you're buying. You don't want to, God forbid, you buy a shank and you don't braise it and you mm-hmm. just like throw it on a grill. You're never going to be able to eat it. No, correct. It's going to be right. a tough just, chew. Exactly. Very tough. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for inviting us here to Fiola in Coral Gables. This restaurant is absolutely stunning. It's been an honor and a pleasure talking to you about lamb. Thank you, Chef Danny. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for everything. This episode is sponsored by Mosner Family Brands, producers of the finest veal and lamb in America. It's so great to have the Mosners in the house, Jessica and Ben Mosner are both here in the studio today. We love the Mosners. And if you are a chef or a restaurateur and you don't know the name Mosner lamb or veal, I'd be very surprised at this point because this is a third generation company that specializes in the best lamb, the best veal for the finest restaurants in America. The Mosner lamb is like, when I say that this is like what the best chefs in the United States are using, just, you know, top of mind, John George Restaurant Group, which again, across the country has some of the finest restaurants in the country. Carbone and the major food group. Again, these guys like Good luck getting a reservation, but if you get in there and you're eating lamb or veal, this is Mosner lamb and veal. I mean, I can't emphasize how high a quality of product this is. This is being served at the finest restaurants in North America, if not the world. You guys are like family for the Chef's Warehouse now. How did the business start? You guys are based in the Bronx. Ben and I are part of the third generation. Our grandfather started the company 65 years ago, actually this year, David Mosner. So he had gotten into the meat business basically post-World War II. 
He had come back from the war, needed a job. A relative had known someone on the 14th Street meat market, so he was hired as a salesman. And he started selling meat and sort of learning the trade. And as the story goes, or the legend, I should say, he had asked for a raise, a $5 a week raise, and was declined. So that Friday he quit, took a $300 loan from his father-in-law, which I think was probably the riskiest move, and bought a used station wagon and started to uh, put together some customers and was delivering meat out of the back of his car. Slowly but surely, he developed enough money, bought a van, then started to rent uh, some what we call rail space or cooler space at someone else's plant. And then when the city made a big push to develop a market in Hunts Point in the Bronx, uh, he was one of the original tenants, and that was in 1972. So he bought some space and had some shares there, and that is where we still stand today, actually. And then your dad, who grew up in the business, got into the business? So... Our dad, uh, yes, is part of the second generation of the company, and his story is actually quite interesting because, funny enough, he didn't really have intentions of joining the business but always had interest in agriculture. So he went to Cornell and got a degree, in an ag degree, and actually started raising calves in upstate New York. So and he was actually a farm, like a, was farmer, a farmer rancher. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He was not selling those calves to my grandfather, though, which is also kind of funny. But at some point he had transitioned and sort of as he got kids and wanted to have something that was a little bit, had a little bit more opportunity, he just kind of looked in his own backyard and started enjoying the business with my grandfather. At the time, my uncle as well was also there. Now, did you and your brother Ben ever think that you guys would get into the family business growing up? Never. So, so Ben and I and our brother Seth are now third generation. All three of us took very different paths that led back to joining the business, which I think I would recommend to anyone joining a family business. It just gives you a little bit more perspective of what's out there and kind of finding your way. So what's what's interesting is that, you know, my grandfather, our grandfather is the American success story. I mean, he truly created something special, but did so in a way, you know, where he told his kids, I'm not in business to create a legacy. I'm in business to make a living. And if it's interesting to you, great. And if it's not, also great. And so the opportunity was always there, but it was never pushed upon us. And I think, you know, to Jessica's point, more so we were kind of pushed towards doing something and trying something different. I mean, the thing that I love about Mosner and your company is that being in the food business, if I think about so-called meat companies or companies that are, you know, distributing meat, I think of them as being very gruff, hardened by this, a tough business because it's not an easy business. And also maybe not being as conscientious about what they're doing. And in you guys you know, Jessica and Ben, what I see is this very quality-minded, passionate, you're both very young too, but very much interested in providing a quality product. 
and we, you know, Chef's Warehouse, we have 2,000 suppliers. You guys are so closely linked to our sales reps. You are so closely linked to a lot of our customers. You probably get a lot of feedback from our customers. I know, Jessica, you're out, you know, talking to them almost all the time. It helps you kind of shape the products that you're selling. And it really helps everybody in the in the food chain as far as what's going on. We're talking about lamb today. Let's talk about the lamb that you guys sell. Why is it so great? Italy, which is that amazing, super high-end, beautiful Italian specialty food store, which has locations in New York and Los Angeles and Dallas and Boston and Chicago and San Francisco. And where am I forgetting? They're coming to Pennsylvania soon. They could choose any lamb or veal supplier in the country or the world for that matter. And they chose Mosner. You know, what is it about the quality of the product? Why is your lamb, when I eat the Mosner lamb, it's like, it's not gamey. It's not, I love it. What is it about Mosner lamb that's so great? You know, there's a lot of components that are involved in the way that we select, especially for Chef's Warehouse or, you know, customers like in Italy where we are given, you know, very specific specs. And that is is kind of twofold, you know. Uh, one that is is how the animal's raised. Our lamb are raised in United States, basically. You can basically raise lamb anywhere, but... Uh, the Colorado Rocky Mountain region is really well known for being a high lamb producing area. So the lamb are raised on pasture in the last hundred days, which is where we really feel is like that sweet spot. They're brought in and finished on grain. Because of that, it adds size, it adds fat, and it adds flavor. You're seeing a change from what people might associate with lamb as being like a gamey meat. You're getting something that's much more rich and buttery and I think, you know, more in line with what Americans expect, actually, because that's how a lot of beef is raised as well and finished on corn. So. So, the, so the main difference between, let's say, a New Zealand or an Australian imported product is feed, size of the animal when it's processed? Correct. Is Colorado lamb the best lamb in the world? Is it? I know the people love the larger size eyes on the racks and stuff like that. What are the differences between imported lamb and Colorado lamb? Imported lamb is 100% raised on pasture. It's not grain finished. So grass fed? So it's 100% grass fed. You're also getting a smaller animal, generally speaking. The size, another big component is the size of the industry. So in Australia, they're raising 100 million lamb. In New that's a lot of lamb. That's a lot of more lamb than there are people. In New Zealand, same. There's 26 million lamb. When you get to the States, we're at about 6 million. So drastically smaller size of industry relates to how product is sized. So one of, and you asked, like, is it the best lamb in the world? I think it's hard to, I, I, I don't like to, I, treat them as like children. I think there's preference and what people expect. You know, you get a lot of European chefs, you know, sometimes like the grassiness or the gaminess of imported lamb. And then, you know, you get a steakhouse that just they want the biggest, the best, the plate appearance and everything that domestic lamb, you know, brings to the table too. There's a, there's a couple other things that make a big difference as well. Number one, the breeds. And so in the U.S., we're really striving to achieve the best quality meat breeds possible, whereas meat breeds could be like a Hampshire or a Suffolk. That is the direct uh, objective is produce the best quality meat, period. So that's pretty cool. So you guys are actually 
going to that level of detail. Are you going to Colorado? Are you visiting these small farmers, sure, sure, small farms sure, that are sure, sure we have? Yeah, there's there's just um, networks of farmers, um, and, and there's networks and cooperatives, and uh, it's really a pretty small industry. With it, when there's only five to six million head on feed, um, and in a, in a pretty tight area of of you know raising these animals, everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows everybody's business and what everybody's doing. The reason why breeds are so important and why you get such consistent performance in the U.S. is you know largely breed based. Whereas when you go out to Australia and New Zealand, you know, we think of course as meat people and chefs through meat, but a lot of the industry thinks through fashion. It's all about the wool. But merino wool, which is, you know, most people sure, know of. Sure. So your your merino wool is, you know, producing, you know, some of the, you know, some incredible clothing and fashion, but the meat becomes a byproduct. And so we kind of turn that on its head and make sure that um, when we procure products that we're um, looking for meat quality first, always. Right. What's involved in the selection process for lamb? It's an, actually an interesting story. And you had asked earlier, you know, how did how did this all get started with Mosner and Chef's Warehouse? And the answer is it got started back in 2007. And Chris Pappas came to our facility. That's um, the founder of Chef's Warehouse. Of course. And uh, came came to our facility, which was really right around the corner. And he took a good look around and said, I want to have the selection of product as if I owned this company without owning this company. But I'll make a partnership agreement with you and we will buy lamb and veal from Mosner family brands. But we want a selection as if we were picking it out ourselves or our chefs were coming in. And if they were picking it out themselves, that's what we want to buy from you. And if you can secure that product for us, that top 10% of your product, then we can work together and develop a partnership. And here we are in 2022, and that's 15 years later, and we haven't missed a beat. I love it. This is really what I love most about what we do, because this is where the art of butchery really comes into play. You know, lamb is is anything but boxed beef or chicken or, you know, lamb is graded the same way that we know as beef being USDA choice, USDA prime. So there's prime lamb and choice lamb? There is. I was not aware of that. Yeah. But it's graded, it's graded based on the outside fat back. So basically it's an educated guess. Whereas with beef, they're cutting into the animal and to actually see. you see the marble see. and all that. Correct. So when the lamb arrives to us and we are buying choice or higher, it really requires the skill of our butchers and the hands-on knowledge to be able to select the right piece of meat for the right customer. Lamb also receives a yield grade. So you're going to want the steakhouses that want something that has a good fatty the cap fat to cap, it. Yeah. Or a retail outlet like in Italy that like would not want that thick fat because it's wasty. Is there such a thing as highly marbleized lamb? Does it get a marble score? Does it have? I don't. It, when I think of lamb, I think of this beautiful burgundy colored meat or, you know, beautiful reddish meat. I don't think of the the marble. Is that there? It's there. So what we're looking for when we select for Chef's Warehouse is size. So we want consistency because lamb can range anywhere from 50 pounds hanging weight up to, we actually have seen lamb over the summer that have been massive, like 140 pounds. So you'd imagine the parts and pieces that come off that animal are much different. So we're looking for a consistent size of the animal. 
We're looking for confirmation. So nice full middles. We're looking for the color, which we want to be like red, rosy, no shading. We're looking for marbling. And even to the point where like you can touch the eye of a rack of lamb and if you know know how it's going to eat you don't want it like bouncing back at you you want this like velvety texture so there's a lot of skill that goes into selecting lamb and knowing that the customer is going to have a exceptional eating experience what should a chef look for when they're buying lamb Always, you want to look for like a ripe kind of color. You don't want something that's dark. There should be some marbling in there. The bones should be um, a, a red, rosy color. You don't want anything that's turning darker, you know, red. What, or what would the darkness indicate? Just old. Got it. Yeah. Just not, you know, fresh. You know, depending on the application, you know, looking for if it's selected right for you, like you want the right meat to fat ratio. So you're getting a good yield on it. But these are things that our butchers that have been with us for over 30 years are really skilled at selecting. And that's why we have such success with you guys. To me, I have this perception of lamb as being something that you have during the holidays, or I did for a long time, and that it was a special occasion meat. But then I was talking to Ben, you know, during the last couple of years that I said, especially during the pandemic, I was buying lamb in the supermarket. I don't know if I was just seeing better you know, there was more lamb available because the restaurants weren't open. Has lamb become more popular to the American public? Is it something like, are you guys seeing a big increase in the numbers of people buying lamb? You know, post-pandemic or through through the pandemic, there's been a resurgence of interest. We went through kind of like a phase, I think, where people didn't necessarily eat lamb. They really weren't sure why. Maybe it just wasn't served. Uh, it helps that everything else, I think, has gotten more expensive. So lamb doesn't seem so bad. But I think people are interested in, in you know, cooking and, you know, trying things for themselves that they got a little bit more adventurous and more inclined to, you know, take something home that they haven't, you know, had before. Is lamb healthy? Is it a healthy protein? Interestingly, lamb is most easily digested. So people very often that have dietary restrictions or medical issues, whether it be for humans or for pets, will call and ask for lamb. Interesting. I've never heard that yeah. before. And with Chef's Warehouse, is the Mosner lamb available across the United States? It is. We're able to get anything coast to coast. It's amazing. Well, we love the partnership with Mosner's um, personally, professionally, and in every which way. Um, so we really want to thank you guys for the amazing work that you do and the attention to detail and just the quality of the lamb and the veal and some other new products that you guys are working on with thank us. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for uh, coming here to, to talk to us and tell us all your family secrets. <laughs> thank you. It's been, it's been wonderful. There's no one better than Chef's Warehouse, honestly, a uh, fantastic partner and you guys really get it and, you know, know and have an, a, a great appreciation for, uh, you know, quality and what goes into getting something onto a plate in a restaurant. And I think your, your chefs and customers see that too, so. The relationship with Chef's Warehouse is a special one uh, because of the way that you um, treat your vendors. And it's one of the things that I learned probably sometime in 2007. And there's a mentor that I have at Chef's Warehouse and he had said to me, the most important relationship that, that you have in business is with your vendor. Because when you find a great vendor, it's almost impossible to replace. 
but there's lots of customers. And that wasn't to minimize the importance of our customers, of course, but it just showed, you know, and, and you said the meat industry was a tough one, and lots of tough players and, and actors out there. And it's true, that's the industry I grew up into. And so you guys treat us really, really well. And um, we just try to pay it back in kind. I love that. Thanks again, the Mosners, the Mosner family, great partners of the Chef's Warehouse. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. Follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. You can find the products discussed in today's episode on chefswarehouse.com.